Today on the PDX Pet Connection podcast, I have Shannon Walker of Northwest Battle Buddies. Stay tuned to hear about how they partner veterans suffering from PTSD with professionally trained service dogs to help them regain their independence. Welcome to the PDX Pet Connection podcast. If you are a Portland pet parent, then you have come to the right place. This podcast connects you to Portland-based pet businesses, services, and nonprofits. You get to hear their story and what they're doing in the Portland pet community. If you love this podcast and want to connect to other pet parents in the Portland area, head on over to our Facebook group and join in on the fun. And now, your host, dog photographer, donut connoisseur, whiskey lover, and Sherlock fan, Kim Hoshel. Welcome to the PDX Pet Connection Podcast. On today's episode, I have Shannon Walker of Northwest Battle Buddies. Welcome, Shannon. Hi, thank you for having me on your show. Oh, thank you for joining us. So tell us about um, what Northwest Battle Buddies does. You know, we are a 501c3, um, which is a nonprofit, and we provide service dogs to veterans with PTSD and TBI. Um, we started 10 years ago, and in the last 10 years, we have gifted 170 service dogs to our American heroes. Oh, wow. Um, and what's so exciting about that is the fact that the suicide rate amongst our American heroes is 22 veterans a day take their own life, often with PTSD being a contributing factor. And the fact is, is that out of 170 veterans that we have gifted service dogs to, we have not lost one veteran to suicide. And when you look at the statistics on that, that is amazing because everybody talks about how are we going to help our veterans? How can we give back? How can we make a difference? This works. Mm-hmm. Providing high and the different, what separates Northwest Battle Buddies about from a lot of organizations that provide service dogs is I've been a professional dog trainer for 27 years. And I've, I've worked with seven different police departments, helping them train their police dogs. I've competed in Schutzen, which is a sport out of Europe. Um, which is like police dog training often. It's protection, tracking, and obedience. And I've literally trained thousands and thousands of pet dogs for people, many dogs that um, would have otherwise been euthanized because they just need balance and the owners need to be educated about how to live with their dog with with rules, boundaries, and discipline and give those dogs what they need to, to so they can live a life that is safe and, and, and everybody's safe around them and they're not a liability. And because of that foundation of my dog training for 27 years, it allowed, it gave me the knowledge to also train service dogs. And so our service dogs are trained for five months professionally before they are ever paired with a veteran. And then our veterans, our veterans go through five weeks of training, five days a week, learning how to navigate life, learning how to pass their public access test and their canine good citizen test, and also learning about the tasking for their PTSD. And upon passing the, the, the testing, after those five weeks, they are then gifted their service dogs. Oh, that's and amazing. It is. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's incredibly thorough. But without any of those elements, then we set our veterans up for failure. Mm-hmm. And because all of those elements ensure not only the obedience of the dog, but the correct pairing. Because that is as crucial as anything. Because not every dog is, is, is designed for every lifestyle. Even though they're all veterans of PTSD, some of them are fathers and 
and mothers and they have children and some of them are in the work environment. Some of them travel on planes. You know, um, some people need their dogs for balance. I mean, it's like we have to look at all of that. And so we are very specific when we match our dogs to make sure that they're not only the right match, but our veterans are educated about how to long term. We're talking about a long term commitment for the life of that service dog. Northwest Battle Buddies is committed to those veterans. Mm -hmm. um, and so we also require those veterans have to come back and recertify. That doesn't mean they have to come back and do the five weeks, but they do have to come back and pass their testing annually. Oh, wow. And so we have a right. The, so when we gift the service dogs after the five weeks of training mm -hmm. and they pass their testing, they come back three months later so we can get eyes on them, wait on the dog, see what the relationship looks like, make sure we have that constant feedback and support for our veterans and our service dogs. And then they come back nine months later and retest. And then every year, after, every year annually after that. And that way, because it's, it's a family. You know, when we, our veterans come in and we, we love our dogs and we want to make sure that it's, it's good for both. And they're all, they're both thriving in their new environments and in their relationship. So when they come back and retest, are you just looking to see the relationship? Are you looking to see the, what skills that they've, that maybe they need to work on? What, what exactly does that entail? All of that. We look at to make sure that number one, the dog is of good weight. I mean, fat service dogs is a chronic problem in the industry because they just, you know, they just, they can get fat. So, but it also cuts down on the life of the dog and it's not healthy for the dog at all. So they are required. So we get weights on the dogs. They also come back with their vaccination records. We see making sure all of that has been updated, but it is absolutely about the relationship and the performance of the handler and the dog. Um, we want to make sure because dogs don't lie and right. they make you very honest and they either trust you or they don't. And so um, we we look at the we look at the mindset of the dog to make sure that it hasn't gotten an anxious mindset to make sure that the relationship with the dog and the veteran is balanced. But then we also look at everything that they have to do out in public and make sure that if there's any way we can support them, continued education for for training and leadership. Um, we look at all of that and evaluate all of that, and then we're apps, you know we're able to right there start to make a difference and help them increase their skills because at the end of the day the dog will only be as good as the handler and that goes right. for every walk of life in your relationship yep. with your dog <laughs> even your even your house dog that that's exactly that makes a right. huge difference yep absolutely so now are any of the dogs taught like special skills um beyond just like being able to go into buildings and being able to just focus on their owner are they taught any special skills yeah, one of the main stuff that we focus on for all veterans, you know, everything is a case by case basis, but we want those dogs to be able to to uh, brace for our veterans who have balance issues to help stabilize. Also, we have dogs be act as a social barrier. So in front, the dogs will place in front of the handler and, and it helps even though, you know, people are not supposed to be petting dogs, uh, service dogs, but because of the fake service dogs out there, you know, society has mixed signals about what's appropriate etiquette and, and not, but you are not supposed to engage, distract, or pet a service dog, period. Um, and that's why we have it on their vest. But people, you know, well-intentioned people who are caught up in the cuteness of a dog, mm -hmm. they don't read sometimes right. and, they, <laughs> and they break the rules, but, or they, or people allow them to, but anyway, so we, as a social barrier, our dogs are taught to act and, and place as a social barrier between the veteran and the crowd. 
Um, and then also it's considered pressure therapy to where if the dog, if the handler needs the dog to be invited into his space up on his lap for calm affection, but it's called pressure therapy. Mm -hmm. There's studies show that the minute a veteran starts to share affection with their dog within three minutes, oxytocin starts to, uh, develop in the body, which is a calming effect, slows the heart rate and everything else. I will tell you that I do believe that every single one. Now we don't teach this. This is the instinct of the dog because the dogs are also alert on adrenaline. So when a panic attack or a, or a, a flashback or even nightmares occur, the dog's alert on the adrenaline and they get up, whether it's on the lap, they start to lick the hand, they get up and start to lick the face, they wake them up from nightmares, but they interrupt those moments, but they're alerting on adrenaline, mm-hmm. much like a medical alert dog alerts on like a, a, a high and low blood sugar, you know, if a diabetic uh, alert dog, um, mm-hmm. you know, they are alerting on the high and low blood sugar or, or a seizure detection dog, which is like an epileptic seizure. These dogs are alerting on the adrenaline that happens and rushes through the body during panic attacks or flashbacks. And so even though we don't specifically train that because of the, the lack of a better way to put it is the, the intimacy and the closeness and the bond and the intuitiveness of the dog with the handler when it's done right the dogs instinctively are responding to these. And sometimes it'll happen as early on as in the training. And we'll see it when the veterans are going out in in public. I'm telling you, you know, it's like nobody who truly needs a service dog. So nobody who truly needs a service dog wants one. Right. They would rather not have the disability and not need because, but, but people, you know, a lot of people think it's a novelty to be able to go everywhere with your pet. And that's not, and it's, it's, not the way it is at all. Any veteran that I've provided a service dog to or this organization has provided a service dog to, they would much rather not need the dog, even though they love the dog so much mm-hmm. and they love what it does for them, but they would rather not need it. And the last thing they ever want to do is go out in public. No right. veteran wants to go through our five-week program. They go everywhere they don't want to go. They do everything they don't want to do. They subject themselves and submit themselves to our policies and procedures for the accountability, not only to the dog, but the donor dollars and the reputation of the organization. None of them want to do it. However, the, the hope that the idea of what that service dog is going to bring to them is what drives them to mm-hmm. go through it, to find, to find freedom and independence on the other end of that leash at the end of, uh, other end of, our, or of our five weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing. So when, the, when they're going out in public, when they would rather not go out in public and they start to experience a panic attack during the training, it's right there. If the dog is not already indicating on that panic attack, we are teaching them how to use the dog as a tool to calm their brain, calm their breathing, calm their brain. Yeah. Calm their brain, calm their breathing, slow down their heart rate and focus on the dog and use it as the tool that it is. Mm -hmm. This goes so far beyond. I just want to have a dog to go with me. Right. Chemically and what everything it does to the, to the chemical makeup of the body and the brain and how they use the dog as a tool. And then, and they're not afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel safe for the first time in years because they're not alone. And, and it's the relationship and the training that is created through our process that allows all of that perfect storm to happen. Yeah, because I was watching your videos and it was truly amazing listening to the vets talk about how long it had been since they had been, you know, in locations. And they're talking 10, 15 years since they had been to some places just because it was just too much and to have be, yeah. for the dog to allow them to 
you know, live a more normal life and not have to be so afraid is just incredible. You know, it is incredible. And the thing is, is that the one thing about veterans is they just hundred percent don't trust mm-hmm. and you have to earn it. And so through the, through the five weeks, they'll, they will start to open up to us and they'll start to talk about things they haven't talked about forever. And we never, I don't, so so veterans have to be diagnosed with PTSD to be in our program, you know, to come through and get a dog. But I don't ask them how they got their PTSD. Right. We don't ask about those moments. This is a safe place. We're going to respect that. All I know is that you served our country and you were selfless and you were willing to do and go where only 1% of the population is willing to do. And it's like, that is all I need to know. And that when you served your country honorably, you know, and of course we have qualifications, but the fact is, is that I don't, I don't want to know how you got your PTSD. That doesn't concern me as much as I just know that you were selfless. And I want to say thank you for my freedom. And I want to give you this. Our dogs cost $25,000 by the time we gift them to our veterans, but they're hundred percent free to our American heroes. And the only reason that we're able to do that is from donor dollars from the public. We have not received any money from the government to help our veterans. And if you do the math of $25,000 times 170, you know, but the fact is, is that we haven't lost one veteran to suicide. Yeah. So what's that cost? What's the price of that? Yeah, exactly. You know, the cost of a life. Absolutely. And when veterans, they will, they'll, they'll go into the mall and then we always debrief afterwards. And, you know, we come back to, you know, to our training facility and, or where we happen to be training that day. And we'll ask them, okay, give us some feedback. How you doing? Some of them can't even talk because they're so emotional and they might only say with tears running down their face, I haven't been in a mall in 10 years, but they didn't. And they did it because of the strength and the and the safety that that service dog helped him do it. And mm-hmm. and the bond, it really is. I mean, when I say it's a lifeline, you know, I can say everything I want to say and I can try to share any experience. But when you do watch our Vision of Hook series that people can listen to on our website, NorthwestBattleBuddies.org, they can go hear from our veterans themselves, talk about the difference that this dog has made in their life. Because it doesn't matter what I say. But when you hear them speak from their heart with unbelievable transparency, the fact that they were on camera sharing is huge. You know, I mean, that is that is such a victory for them. Um, We have an event coming up May 21st at the Oregon Convention Center. It is our annual Freedom Gala. And we're going to have a minimum of 50 of our service dog teams there celebrating that night. And when you realize when they received their service dog and they were going through training to get their service dog, the stress and the anxiety and the panic they felt just in Walmart. Mm-hmm. And, and now they're going to be in a room of six, seven, eight, nine hundred people with their service dog for an evening. And that they, that service dog is what, allow, has had a, is what has allowed them to gain the skills to be able to be in a crowd like that. That in itself is an unbelievable testimony. And we're actually going to have our veterans on stage being interviewed. Um, about how the dogs changed their life. And that in itself is an incredible testimony. So it's an incredible night. Oh, yeah. So now how do the veterans that need help find you? They can go to northwestbattlebuddies.org and it's all spelled out. And if you go to the veterans, we have a, you know, we do have a qualification process, but there's an application online. We have a veteran liaison that is a former Marine and her husband actually has one of our service dogs. So it's very safe to talk to her. She understands the culture. She understands the language. And she also understands, I mean, she's lived it with her husband and seen the difference. And she is our veteran liaison. She is our frontline contact to be able to help facilitate the application process. 
and um, to answer questions and help alleviate anxieties that veterans may have. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, she's like a dog on a bone. I mean, (laughs) she she fights for these veterans and she keeps them because we have a waiting list Mm -hmm. because of finances. And so we have a waiting list and um, she helps be that lifeline till they can get in front of us and get paired with that service dog. Um, some of our qualification process is they have to have been, a, they have to have deployed. They have to have served somewhere in a deployment. They also um, have to have an honorable discharge. They have to be clean and sober. They have to be able to pass a background check. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to have safe and safe living environment for our service dogs. Um, they have to be able to have income enough to support our service dog. You know, some veterans really want a service dog, but their lifestyle isn't one that can support a service dog. And, and we'd actually be doing them an injustice by providing them a service dog because we'd be giving them too much burden. And a lot of our veterans, they don't know what they don't know. Right. But we know what it takes to live successfully because we have, we have an obligation to not only our donors and the donor dollars that they're entrusting us with, but we absolutely have an obligation to our service dog. Mm-hmm. to make sure that they are safe and have a the living environment they need throughout their life. And we also have an obligation to our veteran to be able to see what it takes to be a successful team with their service dog. And some of, some of our veterans, maybe it's just not the right time for their life yet, mm-hmm. but they just don't know that. Right. You know what I mean? So we, we try to serve them in every capacity we can, but um, those are just some of the qualifications. And then one of the main things is, is as far as qualifications is they have to have a, a doctor's note. They have to be, it has to be prescribed from a doctor that they could benefit from a service dog. And so those are the kind of some of the things that they'll find on the website. Oh, great. So now where do you get your dogs that you train? Well, we get them from a, a variety of places. Um, in the beginning, they were com- all out of shelters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we wanted to save a life to save a life. And, um, so a large part of our, uh, dogs come from, from shelters. They have to be of temperament, um, proper size to facilitate. And then also, um, they have to be healthy and, and, uh, less than two years old because we want, when you invest $25,000, you want to get at least eight years out of that service dog, if not more for the veteran. And so, um, we get a lot of them out of shelters now because we're 10 years old uh, just now, 10 years old, we have vet people who have heard about us. They'll, for whatever reason, will be the stop before the shelter, which is great because yeah. then we have a little bit of background on the dog if they can pass uh, mm-hmm. temperament testing and they're social and guidable and healthy. But we also have uh, a lot of breeders will then donate. They want to give back to our American heroes and they'll offer us uh, professionally bred dogs out of, out of their litters. And then we also actually have our own breeding program now. Um, because of the quantity of dogs that have to go into the public. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have pit bulls in our program. We have German Shepherds in our program. We have some of those harder breeds. But I don't want to pair a, a veteran who works in an office. I don't want to pair him with a German Shepherd dog or a pit bull because it can intimidate his clients and now be another deficit for him or another obstacle. Right. So, we, so we have English Labs and English Cream Golden Retrievers, and we have Aussie Doodles. Um, those are some of the fluffier, the ones that are more approachable, but also, we also don't want people to pet them, but they're more more approachable in public. Mm -hmm. So we have to consider all of that, um, and educate because some veterans will come in, they go, I just want a German shepherd. Well, but do you really, you know, and then we talk about what it's like to live with one. Mm -hmm. And even though they're highly trained, they still have breed tendencies Mm -hmm. and the public still reacts a certain way. So 
we do our best to set them up for the success and it's and we rely on our expertise to set them up for that success because sometimes the ideas they have of what they want or need aren't really aren't really what they are going to ultimately want to need once they get into the culture of it Right. So that's, that's how you end up doing the pairing is just discussing their lifestyle and then knowing yep. which dogs will fit. Yeah. So now with all of this, you know, with all the training and then the bringing um, the veterans to the facility for five weeks, like what does your facility look like? Well, we actually don't have a Northwest Battle Base facility, but I will tell you what we do. Uh, we do have an office that is in uh, Vancouver that's right off the of 503 that we conduct all of our meetings and our secretary. I mean, that's where that we have an office. We have a large office there. There's a front store, a storefront office. And then, but I have a for-profit business called Man's Best Friend. Mm-hmm. And it's on four acres here in Battleground. And I have a I have a uh, kennel that can house like a hundred dogs. And so, and it's on four acres. And so the veterans themselves, when they're learning how to just do obedience, they meet in the morning where the dogs are housed once they're in the training program themselves. They're housed at Man's Best Friend Boarding and Training Kennel. Okay. And then so we we meet here, but then we go out into public. We'll train in the office for a couple of weeks and we do mock training there. We do, you know, we'll set up stuff so it looks, so they, we teach them how to do an elevator before they're ever on an elevator. Right. We teach them how to push a shopping cart in our parking lot before they're ever in a store you know, with their dog, you know, we teach them how to do the bathrooms and the restaurant. We do all that in-house at our uh, office. Mm-hmm. And then we teach just straight up dog training 101 on the property itself. And then we're out in public doing it all out in the public. So, uh, you know, funds wise, we haven't been able to do or or build a Northwest Battle Buddies training facility itself. Mm-hmm. We're using the public and we're using the means that we have to do it. Well, and you, I mean, it makes sense to train in the public because that's ideally where you want them to be able that's to right. go. So, you know, yep. you kind of have to train in real world circumstances in that situation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So you're, I mean, you're so passionate about this. Like what inspired you to start Northwest Battle Buddies? Well, actually my father, um, you make me cry now, but um, my dad served during the Korean War and uh, he passed away December 20th. Uh, 2011, right after I started Northwest Battle Buddies, because oh, wow. um, I started it in. Actually, we didn't even have our 501c3 yet. I started uh, getting dogs and rescuing dogs in November, and talking about what I was going to do. And he actually passed away in December of that same year. But he was so proud, and he would cry because he would say, "Can you imagine seeing a group of veterans walking in a Fourth of July parade with stars and stripes, Northwest Battle Buddy vests?" You know, and he would just cry thinking about that image, but he never got to see it. But he served during the Korean War. And even though he never stopped combat, um, he did what every veteran that signs up does. And they sign a blank check saying, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go to the expense and the and the sacrifice of my life. Mm-hmm. Every veteran, that's, that's why we serve every veteran. But. Um, that qualifies under our, our qual- you know, our qualifications. But um, he taught me to believe in God, family, and country. And when you're in the presence of a veteran, you're in the presence of a hero, even though he never considered himself one. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever saw my father do the Pledge of Allegiance or sing the national anthem without tears. And my dad was a patriot. And, and it's because of what he instilled in me. When I had a veteran come into my for-profit business, man's best friend, and he wanted 
his dog to be trained to be a service dog. And I had trained a lot of dogs and I trained service dogs, but I'd never trained a service dog for a veteran of PTSD. Hmm. So I didn't really know about it much. But I assessed this dog. She was young enough and had temperament enough. And so I just did what I do. And I took him and I, I took her and I, I started to train her. And it took many months. And when it came time for him to come in and start his training portion, I started to learn about PTSD. I learned about his final firefight. It was an eight-hour firefight. And out of the men in, the, the men in his unit that, or his squad that had, were in that firefight, Six of them that had survived the firefight after returning home had committed suicide on American soil. Oh, that's horrible. And I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I just, I, my dad always taught me that freedom was a free, but I never, I never knew what that really meant. And I still mm-hmm. don't, but I see the sacrifice still being paid by every veteran that has suffered from any conflict or PTSD or injury or whatever it is. They're still paying a price for my freedom, even though they're not wearing the uniform. Mm-hmm. And that became, it was just, I just couldn't believe it. And so when I saw Kevin, this was the thing that was profound to me. When I saw Kevin, this yellow lab, this yellow lab named Sammy, when I saw him find the courage to go places, because I had to train him to be a service dog handler. And I had to teach him to go into public with her, with her. And I saw the anxiety and I saw the fear, but I saw him find courage to lead her places. He was afraid to go alone. And I saw him do things for her he was not willing to do for himself. And I saw him change. And I've, I've competed in Europe. I have trained. I've, I've competed. I've worked with police dogs. I've, I've actually won you know, international titles. I've accomplished a lot in the dog world. But when I saw him walk away after his final training session with his head up and his shoulders back with confidence walking with that service dog, I felt like I truly significantly made the difference in, in the quality of somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And my thought was... If I can just adopt those out of shelters and I can train them, I can gift them and say, thank you for my freedom. And that is what I did. And I went out and I just did it. And I had a facility where I could keep them. And then I was like, how do you do a 501c3? How do you, (laughs) how do you, how do you do anything? And I thought, and I thought if I can just train dogs, I thought people would pay for it because other like-minded patriots would want to say thank you for their freedom. And they would pour money into the organization. And my dad always said, you don't know what you don't know. And that could not be more true than when yeah. I started Northwest Battle Buddies. And I've had some incredible people that have come alongside from the very beginning. You know, Obi Muntean, our CEO from the organization, our families, other members um, that knew me at that time that had the same like minds and hearts have just, we've just locked arms and never looked back. And that That's was 170 amazing. veterans ago. And, wow. and we have, we're starting another group of 10 in the end of May. And uh, we're a member of the Association of Service Dog Providers for Military Veterans, and that's an elite group of of service dog providers across the nation um, that are dedicated to the quality that has to be there for the service dog to serve our veterans. Mm -hmm. One of the fastest growing organizations is a service dog provide, you know, service dog providing organizations, but what they're lacking is training. Right. And it's the one thing that sets Northwest Battle Buddies apart and our service dogs apart. And um, if you look at any of our pictures and if you on online and on our Facebook page and, and if you go to our website, you can see a, a group of 10 veterans and they're all walking in line and every single service dog's face is straightforward. They are following, they are disciplined, but they're happy and they're balanced. And I mean, there's no greater gift that you can give a, a dog yeah. than leadership. 
Yep. And that is what our veterans have learned to give our dogs because these are pack animals, even though we use them as a tool to serve man. And it's an incredible gift. And the dogs do things that you can't train for because it's their instinct and the way God God created an incredible animal when he created the dog. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the relationship between dogs and men and women and families, it's just an incredible gift when it all comes together the way it's supposed to come mm-hmm. together. Yeah, because so. even just with a pet, it's like you see what they do instinctually, and it's yep. mind blowing. It know? is. It's like it you is. can't even believe that they just know to do those things. It's like, how did you know that I needed you right now? Yeah. When, you know, when they come over. So I can't imagine, even with a little bit of training and, and making those proper connections, it's just, you know, yeah. thank you so much for what you do for our veterans. It's really wonderful. Well, I, it is my honor. It is my honor. And I will tell you, we have so many Vietnam veterans that have our service dogs now. And I, I, I love all of our veterans. I'm grateful for every sacrifice, every minute away from their families, everything they do for us. But I have to tell you, when we serve our Vietnam veterans, it is such, I mean, they just didn't get where our veterans get now. And so yeah. when you see these old guys or women and they just got these tears and they just to receive such an incredible gift and see their life changed now. In fact, our hundredth service dog went to a Vietnam veteran and he really kind of felt like everything was over. And now he says he's living again with bomber is his, it's a oh. golden <laughs> named bomber that we paired our hundredth service dog with. And we did an interview with him and you, you might even be able to see him on our website, or our YouTube channel. But it's pretty incredible. But even though I, I, you know, I'm so grateful to and honored to serve all of our veterans. But I tell you what, our Vietnam veterans really have a special place in, in our hearts. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So we'll send it on a lighter note. Do yeah. you have any pets that you live with in your house? I do. I, uh, I've had quite the mix, but because I competed in Schutzen, I've always had, I mean, for the, for the last 27 years, I've had German Shepherds or Rottweilers, one or the other or both. I have a 14 year old Rottweiler in the house right now. And, and, uh, he, I mean, he's an incredible dog and he was my, he was my ambassador when I was going out in the beginning for Northwest Battle Buddies and he just <laughs> is solid as a rock. And I also have an English lab right now. His name is Caliber and he is about 90 pounds of just joy. Um, he, his favorite, my favorite time of day would be on a Sunday morning with my coffee and my Rottweiler across my lap. And of course, invitation, I invite them. But my Rottweiler would be across my lap and my lab would climb all the way around the recliner and cut them right here at my shoulder. And I actually have pictures of them like that. And that's my favorite time of day uh, or the week, actually. Um, and then my mom has recently moved in with me. Um, and so she has brought her mutt, who is very, I, he's a mix of, I don't know, pit bull and whippet and a bag of nerves. But he's perfect for her and his name is Toby. And, uh, so he came with a package. So he runs in the pack now and he's learning how to be a dog, um, and have a life a little bit because of my other dogs. So those are my dogs now, but people often ask me, you know, when they're, when they're, you know, talking about dogs and all the breeds and people say, well, what's the best dog? What's the best dog to train? And I always tell them a well-bred one mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it starts with genetics and then it's environment. And so, uh, even though, I think uh, I think Toby missed missed the train on the day for genetics, but through what I know, he's working out quite well. You know, my mom's <laughs> dog is genetically very very nervous, um, but uh, but you know what? It's um, 
every dog is so special. And I, you know, in my for-profit business, people bring me dogs that are completely neurotic. And the fact is, is they aren't born like that. Right. They're neurotic because they live without balance in people's homes that are out of a lack of knowledge, praising all the wrong behavior. Mm-hmm. And they don't know how to help the animal and they treat them like human. And that, you know, you treat your dog like a child. That's the worst thing you can do in the world because it isn't a human. It's a dog. It's a different species. And what for me, I, it brings me tremendous joy in my heart to be able to balance that dog. And after being with me in my for-profit business training program, like after a month or whatever it takes, that dog goes home so much more calm, so much happier, so much more relaxed. And then we educate the humans because it's all about people. Yeah. That, you know? That's yeah. that's the key right there is everybody wants their dog trained. It's like, wait, wait, you actually need to be trained <laughs> because Absolutely. you're the one that usually screws it up. <laughs> yep. Aside from genetics, it is all the, always the people. And you know what? Nothing a dog ever does is the dog's fault mm-hmm. ever because they're never doing anything out of malice. That's the thing that's awesome about dogs is they live in the moment. Yep. They don't live in the past. Humans live in the past. Dogs live in the moment. And the minute you change, they change. You know what I mean? And if it's for the good, then it's a win-win for both. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Well, um, as always, we will share all the information. And especially I want to share the link to the videos that are on your website because I think they're truly inspiring and really show the quality of what you do. Um, And all your information will be on the episode notes. And thank you so much for joining us today, Shannon. And uh, I wish you great success in helping our veterans. And thank you so much. Thank you very much to you and to the PDX Pet Connection. I really appreciate you inviting us onto your platform and sharing our stories. And, uh, and I'm really grateful for the listeners and everybody can, everybody can be a part of helping our American heroes, you know, through a lot of great organizations, but we would love everybody's assistance in, you know, and I want to put one thing out there. We do have a foster program. So a lot of our, our puppies, they grow up in loving homes with families oh, uh, awesome. prior to coming to us. And so that's a way for people to be able to give back by helping raise a Northwest Bottle Day service dog. And that can be found out on our link as well. And we definitely have a need coming up for uh, foster families. And they foster them for about a year. And we offer, we offer obedience with it and everything. And we pay the expenses of that dog. So super, super, uh, super excited about people that want to join us that way as well. Yeah, that'll be great. I'll definitely share that info. Okay, thank you so much for everything, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. All right, thank you, Kim. Bye. seeing cute photos of pets and connecting with other pet parents and businesses in Portland, let's continue the conversation in our Facebook group. I would love to hear about your pets, answer your questions, and get suggestions for what you want to hear on the podcast. I'll see you in the PDX Pet Connection Facebook group.